But yes, welcome everybody. Thanks uh, for showing up. Thanks for hanging out with us today. We'll get right into some hey, how are you? Kristen is back this week, so I want to know how Kristen is doing. Welcome I'm back. back. Yes, my phone's dinging at me for some reason. Thank you. Um, yeah, good to be you're back. Popular. I mean, everybody knows <laughs> it's because you're so popular. Yeah, right. <laughs> but how are you? How was, uh, good, good. How was yeah. the past couple um, of weekends and stuff for you? Oh, it's been kind of crazy. Halloween was a lot of fun. Mm -hmm. Check out my Facebook page. You can see we decorated the whole uh, house up. We were out there. My husband in his creepy mask scaring the kids. Um, and uh, Colt's gone. I'm healthy again, which is a very good thing. Knock on wood, it stays that way. Um, what else is going on? I baked uh, keto chocolate chip cookies that are Ooh. awesome. Those are very good. And I'm very excited about tonight to go see Eternals. Ooh. Yeah. So let me know how it is, but just don't spoil. Oh, I would never spoil. No spoilers. Because <laughs> I'm really excited to see that one as well. I'm a big Marvel fan. I just love the whole cinematic universe. So. Me too. I had to see Dune and. Uh, okay. <laughs> and then you this. Dune. Did you this, did you watch it all in one viewing? Yeah, it's only like okay. I couldn't. It took me a week because I just kept falling asleep. <laughs> Dune, that uh, movie is visually aesthetically beautiful, but I just found it so boring, and I kept falling. It took me a week, and I watched it in like half hour segments. Oh, I was riveted. I I, I love the whole series. I'm very excited for um, what else is coming out? The new Matrix movie coming out yes. like in December, and then also um the uh the wheel of time series is starting on hbo or stars as a whole it's a whole fantasy fiction book series by robert jordan that i read many many years ago we always thought oh that would make a great movie or series and they're doing what looks like the next uh lord of the rings or Ooh. game of thrones type cool quality so very very exciting right so. Very cool. I haven't heard of that yet, so now I'm excited as well. What was it called? Watching TV. Uh, the uh, the Wheel of Time. Wheel of Time. I'm gonna yeah. have to keep my eye out for that. Yeah. Awesome. Very excited. I'm glad that you're feeling better. I'm glad that you're healthy and back with us here, uh, Alex. Hey, how are you? Hey, uh, doing all right. Uh, I have not seen the new Dune. Uh, I the previous Dune. I think I watched when I was younger, and I. It was one of those things I watched when I was like sick on the couch. <laughs> so it's just my, my memories of watching it are associated with that. Um, but certainly interested in seeing the new one. I'm looking forward to the live action Cowboy Bebop. So Yes, yes. <clears throat> Unfortunately, many of the previous like anime gone live action movies have been terribly disappointing. All of them, actually, not most. <laughs> All of them have been really disappointing. Uh, but yeah, I'm excited for that as well. Yeah, yeah the original Dune, uh, I'm a big fan of. And this one is just, they're making it into a trilogy. So this is kind of the intro of, you know, it's the first movie. There's a lot, a lot of dialogue. Like mind-numbing dialogue. Visually, aesthetically, beautiful movie. Beautiful. I just couldn't, I couldn't stay awake. I would put it on every night and make it like another 20, 30 minutes in. And then I have to you go back see the and original I have to be like, one? okay, what's the last thing I remember seeing? <laughs> and I got to find that spot in the movie. 
Finale. Uh, and, and I think that's what I did with the first one. What was that back in the 80s or the 90s? Yeah, it's what like 84 it? or something like that. that and one, that one yeah. I just didn't get, but I hadn't read the books yet either. So I was so confused because yeah. they just kind of. But I think this is going to be a two-parter, at least with the first book. And oh, they might maybe go it's on, only a two-parter. I thought they were making a trilogy out of it. But there's many, many books. So yeah. it's a long story. You got Children of Dune, and there, I guess there's mm -hmm. a TV series. I'm going to try to find that. I want to watch that. I didn't, I didn't get to see that on sci-fi. So. Yeah. Anyhow. Oh, someone didn't like it, though. They were oh, very, very disappointed in Dune. See, <laughs> for me, again, I just visually, aesthetically, beautiful, beautiful movie. Amazing. I was, I just couldn't, I wasn't captivated by like storytelling and everything going. I just kept falling asleep. Also, it was every night after work, you know, now we're 50 I'm exhausted at the end of the day anyway. And Our I just alias did like it, it. So I thought it was great. I like that they got much more of the character in the backstory than they did in the one in the eighties. Yeah, You know, you just, it's gotta be in, in sections. You can't do that unless you'd have an eight hour movie. So anyhow, we better get going. Cause yeah, you know, I'm about to ask whether anybody in the Dune movie smokes. So <laughs> I uh, I've beaten this one to death. <laughs> I don't, I don't think so. Anyways. Yeah. Let's, uh, let's, they're all, they're all doing, uh, um, it's the spice, right? Spice, yeah, yes. Spice. Spice. Yeah. But not like K2 spice. It's like, <laughs> No, it's like a, it's I like mean, I guess in some parts it seems kind of like they're doing K2 spice. Anyways, let's but the government uh, the government turns this stuff that's very important over to certain particular special interest groups <laughs> and control it. How can we get doing it? Into, into yeah. There we go. <laughs> See uh, uh, the, we'll the folks on whatever whatever it's new world or whatever the 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 planet is called there. Um they just need an advocacy organization like CASA. So CASA not only needs to be, uh, you know, a, a U.S. thing, but we need to expand intergalactically. <laughs> to... <laughs> we'll get right the on that right after. The Galaxy's, the galaxy's oldest and largest consumer advocacy organization for tobacco harm reduction. In the universe. We need, to, we need to team up with Elon and see if he can get us into space. I mean, I guess, Earth. Yeah. <laughs> I guess technically, are we not the team. oldest and largest consumer advocacy organization for this in the universe right now? We're not sure. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's true. I guess we're not sure. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, wouldn't they need tobacco cigarettes somewhere else for it to count? Maybe there's like space tobacco. Anyways, we've gone yeah. way too far off topic already. Let's hop into some legislation, Alex. Are you ready for it? Yep. All right. Tell us all what we need to know about Dune. No, I'm just kidding. Let us know what we need <laughs> to know about what is going on right now. All the good, the bad, the need to know. What do you got for us this week? So as usual, at the top of the list is, once again, uh, the U.S. federal excise tax on nicotine. Uh, uh, Emphasis on nicotine because that's what was left in the tax language. Uh, astute readers of the legislation that's not easily accessible uh, will notice that all of the tax hikes on traditional tobacco products, including cigarettes, uh, were removed. And now we are looking at the, uh, what is it, $53.33 per 1800 and some change milligrams of nicotine, which works out to about 2.8 cents per milligram. 
um, of nicotine. Per milligram per milliliter? No, like, per milligram of nicotine. Period. So it, it is yeah. based on the total nicotine content of the package uh, or right. whatever. Uh, and so, and this is not, uh, this is not exclusive to vapor products. This will include nicotine pouches or anything else. It's taxable nicotine. Um, and of course this does not extend to smokeless tobacco, cigarettes, most importantly, or cigars or anything like that. They, uh, maintain their same tax level going into this. Um, and even though this is being sold as an equivalency tax, if you were to apply this same standard to cigarettes, it would uh increase the tax on cigarettes by five or six times um so uh we're going to talk a little bit more about this at the end of the we're in our our deep dive which may be kind of a shallow dive um but uh really important to kind of clear up some confusion uh that i think a lot of people have uh have had over over what this new tax bill is and where it is because last night the house passed the um, Infrastructure Investment and Jobs Act, which is different. So um, if, if you've been playing the, the Congress Joe Biden home game, um, and uh, you know that there are two different bills here. And actually what happened last night was the progressives in Congress did not, they voted no on the infrastructure package because their understanding, their, what they thought they, they had an agreement or they thought they had an agreement uh, was that these bills would be voted on together and that the Build Back Better Act, which has all of the kind of social safety net spending in it uh, and a lot of progressive uh, 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 items, um, all of this would happen at the same time. But instead, the House passed just the uh, Infrastructure Investment and Jobs Act last night. Uh, and this does not include the uh, tobacco tax section. Um, so we are in the Build Back Better Act. If you want to comb through this, uh, it is HR five six. I'm sorry, HR five three seven six, and uh, you can find it on Congress.gov. The updated version I checked this morning is not available yet. Uh, so if you want to read the updated tax language for nicotine, it's on our call to action, and I can show you that so oh, well, the build, build back smoking act uh, right the build back not move build, forward yet the build back smoking act as we're calling it um and here it is on our website it's the same link that we've always had we didn't change anything so if you're a retailer that's put this out on like a qr code or share the link all over the place you don't have to change anything we've just updated our engagement um, and here is the bill text. This is updated as well. Uh, it's just a PDF of Section 138.520, Imposition of Tax on Nicotine. Uh, and here you go. Uh, $5.33 per 1,810 milligrams of nicotine. Um, yeah, there you go. So instead of taxing, instead of raising the tax on cigarettes um, uh, and all the other products, and we'll get into maybe, you know, our speculation on why this is, has ended up this way uh, later on. Um, all that has just been replaced with just taxing nicotine. So anyway, uh, everybody, even if you've done this call to action in the past, we've refreshed everything um, and updated things. 
So uh, please send your emails again. You can also use our uh, legislator lookup page and um, find a find your representatives' uh, contact information. All of them. You don't need these guys, um, but uh, you know, contact your senators, uh, contact your representatives by phone, and all the talking points are the same. We've we've uh, I think they are also available on our call to action in a little drop down thing. Um, so yeah, you can do that. And that is Fantastic. The, that's the that's the the call to action at the top. Um, I have Denver on here. I can't remember if uh, I updated this. Um, so yeah, I need to do an update on uh, Denver. We had a, there was a hearing on October twenty seventh. Um, so I still have to update. I apologize for not having that prepared for our show today, uh, but we'll come back to that. Uh, we have some disappointing news uh, out of Washington County, Oregon. Um, let me see if I can get to that one here. Uh, Washington County, Oregon did enact a uh, flavor ban. Uh, here we go. Uh, it was a, a vote three to two in support of uh, the ordinance takes effect in 30 days. Enforcement will start January 1st, 2022. Um, so that's that. Uh, as far as I know, there was sort of one um, uh, uh, kind of it was one commissioner who was on the fence. And uh, we tried to make sure that people living in their district uh, would send extra messages. Uh, but. You know, you can send all the emails you want. If people are resistant to science and facts, then they're probably not going to get much further with that. So um, sorry for Oregon, uh, Washington, Washington County, um, just, you know, got a lot of people. I think Portland is in Washington County, um, but uh, usually municipalities that are on their own sometimes are not affected by these things. Um, but uh, as far as unincorporated parts of the county, uh, this certainly will apply to you. Um, the next thing that we do have active is that isn't disappointing news just yet is, uh, Portland, Maine, uh, Portland, Maine is looking at a flavor ban like everybody else. Uh, so on Tuesday, November 9th, we're expecting this to be the introduction of the ordinance. This is really early on, uh, in this, in the stage of, of this thing moving forward. Uh, so if you live in Portland, Maine, definitely uh, reach out, contact your city councilors uh, and tell them why this is a bad idea. Um, uh, a similar piece of legislation was passed in Bangor, Maine, and everybody missed it. Um, and so it would be great to push back in Portland, um, Portland, Maine. Uh, and uh, so, yeah, <laughs> excuse me. Um, we... Uh, yeah, so we're expecting introduction on this coming Tuesday, uh, and hopefully we can get out in front of this thing a little bit and show them that this is a bad idea. Uh, so that's 5.30 p.m. Uh, this is a remote hearing, and uh, I actually didn't check to see if the agenda was up today, um, but this is where you'll find it uh, if you just click on the link on our call to action, and you can see exactly what they're doing. Um, so there is that. 
the next thing, I'm just going to keep Michigan on the on the rundown until we get into you know the new legislation being introduced or until this is a thing. I think it's worth reminding people that the state of Michigan is going to try to move forward with banning flavors. Um, and so uh, I'll just keep bringing it up. In other disappointing news, uh, something that I lost track of and did not put an engagement out for uh, is St. Paul, Minnesota. And this is actually worse than whatever I had read. Uh, Alex, I'm going to pause you for just a second here because sure. we definitely have an echo coming through somewhere. Is it, 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 am I echoing off of someone? Yeah, I believe so. I just turned my volume way down. Well, I don't hear it on your end. Okay. Well, I'll mute, I'll mute myself. Okay. Go ahead. So, and... Is that better? Yeah, it's gone. Okay, good. Um, is, so, that my, is that my speaker then? I'll yeah, turn it's, mine. it's coming through. On, right. I'll turn on mine off. Okay. Carry, carry on. Trudge forth, sir. <laughs> so, again, in dis more disappointing news, uh, St. Paul, Minnesota... Uh, did enact its ordinance, um, which uh, I, I think they already had a flavor ban. I had an article up here earlier. Um, here's the, here's the, the ordinance from St. Paul. Um, and it's, it's worth noting here, I think one of the most severe things about this ordinance is that it, it establishes a minimum kind of per unit price for smokeless tobacco, snus, and cigarettes, uh, which is like ten dollars, uh, and uh, so it's 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 like New York City. New York City has a, a ten dollar minimum for sales of cigarettes. Um, I think it's ten, or it might even be bumped up to fifteen recently. Um, cigarettes in New York City are already outrageously expensive, which is why most of them are sold in an underground economy. So yeah, um, most of them come out of somebody's backpack. I, I mean, you know, if, if, if that's how it is, and I can't imagine a different result in, in St. Paul, Minnesota, uh, sure. where there was a file photo on an article showing the price of cigarettes at like $5 and 60 cents a pack. Uh, of course that was from 2015. Um, there were also, I, I think Mark 10 was on the shelves and so were camel crushes, which I you can't sell, they can't sell camel crush anymore. Right. Uh, I, I feel like I've recently seen here in New York camel crushes on the shelves. All right. Well, I don't know. I could be wrong. I don't spend a whole lot of time staring at the power wall anymore. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I don't have much reason to go to convenience stores. I don't drive so much and uh, I don't smoke. So I don't have much yeah. reason to go in there. Um, but the know, convenience uh, store. Anybody in chat, if you've recently seen camel crushes. <laughs> Uh, but the convenience store up the street from me does sell uh, Skull Snooze and they sell Zin and On, uh, which is a new thing. Um, so I may be going up there more frequently. Um, the last thing to bring in here is uh, Massachusetts. Uh, this is an interesting couple of bills. Uh, actually, uh, there was a committee hearing on November 3rd, and I think they had like I want to say 27 tobacco related pieces of legislation. Uh, I haven't sifted through all of them, but there are two that would repeal the ban on menthol. And it also allows for the sale of flavored vapor products in adult only establishments for on site consumption only. And there is an important ex exemption in here for products that do receive market authorization from FDA. So Massachusetts may be moving towards something a bit more like New York. <coughs> Excuse me. 
Um, but the, the, you know, the linchpin here is getting PMTA authorization. Um, so uh, just wanted to bring that up. The bill numbers, if anybody is interested, I don't know why I still have uh, St. Paul up here. Sorry about that. Um, we're looking into this as to whether or not this is something that CASA is able to support. Um, uh, you know, we would prefer that the restriction be removed entirely, but um, it's something that does open it up and includes the exemption for PMTAs um, is a step in the right direction, kind of. Uh, it doesn't yeah. go far enough, but... Um, like a baby so, step backwards in the right direction. <laughs> I yeah, don't know how uh, to like really word that. That's <laughs> something like a drunk baby step yeah. in, in oh some direction. God. Yeah. Um, so the bill numbers are H2406 and S1433 in Massachusetts. And you can find those on the Massachusetts website. Uh, we'll probably be putting more information about this out about this uh, maybe soon. So we'll see. Um so uh, end on a relatively positive note there. And that is the end of the legislative rundown. Right on. Did you guys get all that? Everybody <laughs> out there get all that? All right. I hope so. If not, you'll just have to rewind and rewatch. Replay crew will uh, we'll catch up. Anyways, um, moving swiftly along, if we are ready to, uh, to do some take threes, are you guys ready? Okay. Cool. Let's do the thing. Okay, who's going first? We did not establish that. Well, no. Alex, Alex, see, I, this is what happens when I'm gone for two weeks. I All right, fall. I volunteer uh, just because my my take is is well with outside um, the U.S. So we'll we'll start we'll start further away and we'll we'll get closer to us. <laughs> Hong Kong. Uh, this is a Vaping 360 article from Jim McDonald. A few weeks ago, we linked to a South China Morning Post article on our blog for anybody who caught that. Uh, Jim does an excellent job of expanding on that. Uh, so I wanted to share his article as well. Uh, and I'll drop a, a link to this article in the chat because I don't, I don't think that we've actually shared this article anywhere. But Hong Kong has finally finally banned the sale of vaping products more than five years after a ban was first proposed. The law passed the Legislative Council Thursday. Uh, this was uh, out on the 21st, so a few Thursdays ago, uh, by a margin of 32 to 3, according to that article that we had linked to in our blog. Uh, it, makes the, uh, it makes it illegal to sell, manufacture, import, or promote vaping and heated tobacco products, it does not criminalize personal use, and it is unclear how the ban will affect vaping manufacturers that ship products from Hong Kong ports. Um, so yeah, the big thing here, uh, I guess why I kind of wanted to, to bring this up is, uh, first of all, just the absurdity of, of banning these products to begin with. Uh, and I, I don't know how much time I need to spend talking about that because that's kind of what we do here every every week. Um, but Shenzhen, China is directly north of Hong Kong. It's the, the next region right to the north of Hong Kong. Uh, and for anybody who's familiar with hardware, uh, I don't have a percentage, but it's probably roughly north of 90% of all vaping hardware, uh, e-cigarette hardware comes out of Shenzhen, China. It's, it's the manufacturing capital of the world for vapor products. Uh, and how this is going to affect 
shipping uh, and exports and imports uh, for vapor products around the rest of the world is, I think, the biggest <clears throat> question here uh, because it's like Jim goes on to say, it is unclear. Uh, you know, we we've got a, a ship online ban here, shipping ban, USPS shipping ban. Uh, we've got other things in this country, other um, uh, carriers that have, you know, decided to hop on the bandwagon with that. So we have our own issues here when it comes to shipping and receiving vapor products. But if Shenzhen China can't ship their products out of Hong Kong, um, that also is probably going to pose uh, another big hurdle for countries around the world getting their products. I'm sure that they will find a way somewhere. Um, but it's definitely a, definitely a major hang up there. So I guess um, my, my biggest take on this is a Hong Kong. What? Why? Um, I, I guess we have a lot of reasons why, but horrible idea. And I'm glad that it does not criminalize personal use, but I can only imagine what the illicit market in Hong Kong is going to be like being neighbors with Shenzhen, <laughs> you know, <laughs> that, pretty easy to get it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's again, it's Shenzhen is, is the region directly North of Hong Kong. Um, so yeah, that's, this is just something I wanted to put out there. This is kind of just my take for the week for anybody who wasn't familiar with what was going on uh, over there and how that may affect imports uh, around the world, including obviously here. And to do that was, I think that was from a couple of weeks ago. So I think that was like right after FDA authorized. Yeah, it, was, it was right after FDA. Uh, um, the View Solo. Yes, authorized marketing for the view. So, like, so like while we just started authorizing these products, Hong Kong just bans it all. Again, though, it did take five years, uh, more than five years after the ban was first proposed. I'm not sure exactly. He does have a link here for that. And maybe we can uh, maybe I can pull this back up and we can see. Oh, he links back to a, a previous article from June 6, 2016. Uh, when they had yeah. first proposed banning. So it definitely took a while uh, for Hong Kong to move forward with that, but unfortunately they have. Um, and again, that may have some some serious implications for how Shenzhen ships, ships products uh, to the rest of the world. Somebody's asking, does the Hong Kong ban language include shipping or only selling? I believe it's only selling. Uh, it includes manufacturing, selling, importing, Hang on, now I gotta get back to it really quick. Uh, it makes it illegal to sell, manufacture, import, or promote vaping and heated tobacco products. And then Jim goes on to say it is unclear how the ban will affect vaping manufacturers that ship products from Hong Kong ports. Right. So that's the best answer I have for you there, uh, as far as exporting and shipping goes. It's it's just kind of unclear. Um, and if, if Jim updates, or if I find out more about what that looks like going forward, uh, I will definitely revisit that here and, and we can kind of update everybody. So that's where we're at. And then that's halfway around the world, England is, uh, about to basically start approving e-cigarettes for prescription use. Sure. So, you know, sure. That's, uh, basically that's encouraging doctors to do that. It, just what's going on in the world when it comes to vaping is just, Oh yeah. It's mind boggling. That's why we're here. Right. Alex and I last week, uh, talked about the UK and the prescription. I believe that was right. my take last mm -hmm. week. Um, yeah. so, 
So yeah, yeah, wild times, wild times we live in right now. Anyways, that's my take for the week. Uh, I pass the torch on to whoever is ready and willing to receive it. Well, well since Alex is, is kind of leading into our deep dive, we should I should just go then. Oh, I was going to go with the geographic theme. Um, oh, do you want to do that? Okay, whatever. Yeah. I mean, so I'm I'm picking up in, uh, in 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 an event organized by folks in uh, in Southeast Asia, and uh, and this is obviously a global issue. Uh, this week, starting on Monday uh, in the United States uh, and other parts of the world, it's actually Sunday, and for us, for them, I, I'm not I'm not going to get into the time. <laughs> so this will yeah, thoroughly don't ask confuse me. I mean, Logan. I literally say every week I'm terrible at this. Yeah, don't confuse poor Logan. <laughs> but in the United I'm States, confused. <laughs> if if you are interested, there is a way to stream Scope. Uh, this is uh, the streaming consumers on point everywhere, and this is effectively a digital counter protest uh, uh, for the COP nine. Framework Convention on Tobacco Control uh, Gathering, uh, which is, I believe, being done remotely this year. Uh, and uh, there are some... What does COP stand for? It's like something of parties, right? It's a conference of parties. Conference it's, of parties. It's a, it's okay. a UN thing. And so yeah. everything is a COP. And it's, you know, so right now, I think we're for the, the climate change uh, conference, it, it, it's, it's, it's COP26. And so that's that's how you just have to be in the know. That's how all this works anyway. Um, and uh, for, for the Framework Convention on Tobacco Control, we are on COP9. Uh, I think this happens like every two years. Every and um, I think this was this may have been delayed because of the pandemic. It was supposed to happen last year and it got pushed back to 2021. Now they're doing it remotely, um, which you would think that if everybody is gathering remotely, that would open up access and you know you could just sort of tune in and watch delegates talk about how much they hate tobacco and people who smoke and use tobacco but no you can't um because uh it is largely held in secret uh now at the beginning of this however we are able to see some statements from delegates this is uh, a woman from the uk uh and i i I don't know if there's no I don't know if there's any benefit or, or drawback from this, but uh, I did watch her her uh, sort of opening uh, statement to the uh, to the, the, the conference. Um, and uh, she did, of course, mention that the UK is moving forward with promoting vaping as an alternative to smoking uh, and uh, and sort of highlighting the things that the UK has done. Uh, the UK is has adopted some of the you know best practices from the framework convention, and um, uh, you know in it by in, in the way of uh, you know high taxes on tobacco products, place bans, etc. They have the stop smoking services there. Anybody who follows Louise Ross um, uh, on on Twitter uh, knows that she's been involved with. She's she's one of the early kind of converts. Uh, she comes from Ray the background. Louise. In, in tobacco control and uh, was, uh, you know, educated herself and, and got educated about vapor products. And she has been instrumental in offering vapor products through the stop smoking services in the UK. Um, and so, as I was saying, you know, the UK has sort of adopted all of these things with 
the it's it's not really an exception because the framework convention on tobacco control does note that harm reduction is part of a tobacco control strategy. Uh, it's just it, apparently people have wild ideas about what harm reduction actually means. Quitting. Um, That's their idea of harm reduction. Yeah. <laughs> What's quitting? So, um, uh, but uh, I encourage people at least to watch her video, maybe give it a like. Um, you can like and dislike these uh, these presentations on YouTube. Uh, there is or was a full rundown. I'll, I'll find somebody's tweet. Uh, I think CAFRA, uh, that is the uh, Southeast yeah. Asian ad Consumer Advocacy Group, they tweeted out. If you're not following CAFRA on Twitter, go ahead and follow them uh, to get updates about scope and, and of course, other things. Um, but they have the uh, the sort of the compilation from the- P-H-R-A, right? Yeah, it's Kappa. a P-H. Um, we'll be doing some tweeting about it and stuff too, since you and Danielle will be presenting and yes, and I, so. I will, uh, get to that. Of course. Um, where did I, I left, I lost my, uh, so here, I don't know if this is going to show up very well on screen. No one can read this. Um, <laughs> but this is, this is the schedule. Uh, you can't see it, but, um, uh, we have the CASA panel on, uh, it, it, so everything is in Hong Kong time. Just remember that everything's in Hong Kong time. And so by oh, Monday, Hong Kong, yeah, Hong Kong time. Hey, hey, yeah, we, we got that connected there. Um, uh, by Monday, it will actually be Tuesday there. So that's why it says Tuesday on the schedule. Uh, and uh, Danielle and I will be uh, doing an hour block on the, the live stream. Uh, we're going to be reviewing uh, the MSA, which Danielle has done a lot of research on that, obviously. Hopefully people have seen the, the videos that she's produced about this. Um, and uh, uh, I will be reviewing the FDA regulations and, and how this is affecting things. We, we've we've noticed, I think people around the world are a bit confused with what's going on in the United States. So we're offering this hour of, of reviewing these things just to kind of bring everybody up to speed and inform them as to what's going on here in the States. Also later in the week, um, uh, so it'd be like Wednesday, 11 p.m., 11.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Uh, I will be hosting a panel with other consumer advocates, um, largely sort of, uh, you know, getting to know the people behind the consumer advocacy, um, uh, you know, certainly pushing back on the narrative about uh, tobacco companies. Basically, we're, we're all a bunch of front groups for tobacco companies, which is total nonsense. Um, there is certainly some of that going on, but uh, not not it, you can't say that about all of us. Um, we are very much uh, amateurs and passionate people about this. Uh, and uh, there's there isn't a single person here at, at CASA that comes from a government relations background or is trying to make a career out of this. So um, <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, that'll be if we could. <laughs> Uh, that'll that'll be more of a, a, a just a, a discussion with some other panelists from around the world. I have uh, Jan Walsh uh, from ABCA New Zealand, um, uh, Peter Paul Dater, uh, I believe that's is that Vapors Philippines, um, and Craig Hubbard from Australia. Australia, by the way, as I uh, I, I don't know, I'm sure a lot of people know. Uh, we have some Australian viewers here in the chat. Uh, I'm sure who could. Uh, add some add some details to this. Australia doesn't have a national consumer advocacy group. Uh, it's just been like a couple of people uh, doing what they do. Uh, so uh, that'll be yeah, we'll know, have uh, an interesting discussion. Breeze tones. Uh, Adam here in chat is uh, is one of our our friends down under. 
uh, who's also a, a fantastic advocate. But yeah, I didn't know that actually, that Australia doesn't have a, a major consumer. I think it's because they have a lot of vocal people on Twitter and we're on Twitter a lot. So we see them and kind of assume that they were part of some yeah, kind of Yeah, I didn't know that they didn't have any kind of organization, yeah. group. Yeah. Get so on that, Adam, what are you doing, man? <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, <laughs> it will, we'll drop the link to all of these, uh, to the schedule and the logo, um, any of the other stuff for scope, um, just to read a description from a release that was put out, um, earlier this week, in case you're wondering what scope is scope is a round the clock international broadcasting event taking place throughout cop nine. The five-day live stream from 8 to 12 November will feature world-leading THR experts and consumer advocates for safer nicotine products. Scope will be simulcast on YouTube and Facebook. Uh, despite being shut out of COP9, vapors have vowed they will not be silenced. And as I was saying at the beginning of this, COP9, basically, these you know framework convention on tobacco control meetings happen largely in secret. Um, I think Clive Bates has written about this uh, quite a bit. A lot of a lot of the international folks have really covered this because they are directly affected by what the World Health Organization does. In the United States, uh, we've sort of already adopted this stuff on our own. You know, we're we're the U.S. We have decided that we're all about rugged individualism, despite the rampant conformity across whatever you think you are, um, and. So we've already implemented a lot of this stuff. We've uh, signed on to the treaty, but we haven't uh, ratified it, which is kind of no point because we have FDA regulations. Um, and uh, so anyway, uh, the, the, the conference has become more and more exclusive year over year, over year or meeting over meeting uh, to the point where even the media is excluded from this. Uh, and I think one of the examples that was brought up, I can't remember where I read this, but um, it went so f they have gone so far as to eject a representative from Interpol. They kicked the cops out of the meeting because of some sort of coordination between Interpol and tobacco companies with regard to illicit trade. So it, it has gotten to the point where if, if you are you know, verifiably uh, involved with tobacco companies, you are conflicted and you can't attend. If there is the perception that you are involved with tobacco companies, which includes being a consumer of tobacco or nicotine products, you're excluded from the meeting. So this means that consumers are not represented there. It is, it is simply ideologues, state-level ideologues from all over the world getting together and talking in relative secrecy about the policies they hope to implement uh, and, and basically how to screw people um, and not really help them all that much. Wow. Hopefully, do we, not, do we not know who, I'm sorry, do we not know who like from the States is there because it's so secret? Like, do we not know who, what, who in tobacco control, like our pave moms there or? No, no, I, I don't, I don't think so. Uh, certainly. Well, I mean, you know, it, it's kind of funny. I mean, you know, the pave moms might come to find out that they are too conflicted in order to attend. Uh, I believe Ooh, there was somebody that sorry, kind of, Meredith. There was, there was somebody that did some digging on. Uh, I think one of the, the their husbands works for an ad agency or, or a PR firm that did some work for a tobacco company at some point. So that that tiny tiny connection may be enough to conflict them out of that attending. Is crazy. Um, so yeah, yeah I, I I don't know. 
Uh, there's a, there's kind of a joke out there, you know, when you get into this whole like strictly enforcing conflicts of interest and so on, uh, you know, ultimately at some point, everybody is is sort of conflicted. Like arguably, uh, you know, China should be, you know, ejected from this meeting because it is effectively the world's largest tobacco company. Any wow. state, owned, any country that is essentially a, a state tobacco company, uh, you know, according to these rules of conflict of interest, should probably be ejected, um, which includes- I mean, realistically, right? Like anyone anyone here who takes a government issued check- Pretty much, yeah. Would be You're a conflict of interest money. because of all of the tobacco money that goes into the general fund, which pays those, those salaries, those paychecks, those et cetera. Yeah. Yeah. So t- tobacco taxation, apparently not a conflict, uh, according to the FCTC, but in my mind, it, it, it clearly is. And it should be stated all the time. You know, our country generates X amount of billions of dollars uh, from tobacco taxes. Yeah, we did it I to discourage say. people. But really, historically, in the United States, tobacco taxes are to fund projects, not sure. not health policy. Um, no. So Very little is spent. I mean, this is right. outrageous. People, you need to understand how outrageous this is, because these are the people who are going and advising countries of what to do. You know, I mean, they're the this is this is part of the who thing, isn't it? This is all part of who? Yeah, this right? is World Health Organization. World Health Organization. This just feels very like dark, secret, like cult ritual. Like I just imagine like black hoods and like I mean, and candles around like money. a round table. <laughs> yeah, like that's what this that's what comes to mind. Like eyes wide shut. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So I yeah, think, if you if you yeah, get to the maybe. if you get to the if you get to COP nine early enough, you can catch the human sacrifices. Um, <laughs> but uh, since you, uh, since we're none all of us human sacrifices, every person who smokes. Yeah. So uh, since none of us are invited or allowed to attend, uh, tune in to Scope next week. Lots of content. People from all over the world are going to be presenting, um, and uh, this should be a good thing. Uh, uh, yeah, I think we've I think I've sort of beaten this into the ground. Um, as far as you know, why this is important, why people why people should tune in. Uh, hopefully, this will generate some interest among the media, um, who largely just doesn't seem to be all that interested in this um, until they get some sort of statement from whoever. Uh, but uh, media is invited. I shouldn't poo-poo the media ahead of time. Sorry, guys. But hey, media, come on. Uh, check out Scope. A lot of content there that you're not going to get from the FCTC. Number one, because you're not invited, and number two, because it's all just nonsense anyway. Um, so, and what check time out what did your doing. did your and Danielle's translate to U.S. time? Like at least Eastern. What time does that translate? I know it's all a Hong Kong Hong <laughs> Hong right. Kong time, but what did you figure out yet? How yes. that translates to okay. Yeah, so on Monday, Danielle and I will be live at uh, 7 p.m. Eastern time. Uh, and as I as I said, uh, we will drop the links for the live stream event on YouTube. There's also a Facebook event, uh, so everybody can tune in, comment, chat, uh, and learn. So that'll be 4 p.m. over on that other coast. And really yes. quick, uh, you had brought up uh, Danielle's... Um, videos and things that she's done in the past. Um, So I just wanted to share that link to the truth about vaping uh, YouTube page. Uh, This is uh, the stuff that Danielle has done. And I believe her last one was a 
there's about jewel lawsuits uh there's definitely been some other ones about uh the msa and taxation and things like that uh they are all excellent i believe there's four now uh danielle puts a lot of work into those so i just wanted to drop that link there as well and i dropped louise ross's uh at granny louisa in the chat as well for twitter and the cafra cap cafra um that's also in the chat and i'll try to remember to put that in the um in the description box afterwards too. make sure you follow them share this you know that's how we get attention so go there go to the capper right now retweet their stuff everybody who can do that you know this is what grassroots has to do guys we need everybody all hands on deck getting this stuff out so go do that yeah. right now if you're watching on on or that after note you're watching. <laughs> on on that note, um, if you are prone to Twitter, um, there are hashtags to take over on uh, next week, all next week. Uh, so oh, it'll cool. be hashtag takeovers are like one of my favorite things. <laughs> he gets uh, excited it'll be it. it'll be hashtag cop nine FCTC and hashtag cop nine. So share all the information that we you know share around. Share your comments. Share your criticism. Uh, and hopefully that, as Kristen uh, noted, will uh, generate some some interest from from media, and uh, and hopefully hopefully we'll get some coverage. Yeah, tag twat that twat twat. I can't even talk. <laughs> <laughs> tag at came out twat. <laughs> but you know, um, media people, whoever you can, New York Post or whatever, you know, you can tweet at kind of tag them in there too and get some, you know, try to get some attention from, from the news media if you can. Yep. Um, so we, so that's, do, we don't have the budgets. Bloomberg isn't giving us crap. That's uh, that's, it's not really a take, but that is my take for the week. I made him do that. You guys, cause he hasn't been talking <laughs> about it. So it's not as true. I was there. She like she <laughs> twisted his arm behind his back. And, Alex, you talk about that. I'm such a bully. <laughs> Logan let him out of the locker and I was yelling at Logan. <laughs> yeah, even I got it, you guys. It was terrifying. <laughs> All right. My turn. Now I'm kind of doing a throwback here to about two weeks ago. Um, and I need to make sure I'm sharing the right squeak, right squeen. I cannot talk today. What is my problem? Welcome back, Kristen. Oh, <laughs> right? Really, really <laughs> odd. Um, I am talking about the, um, and I need to go back to, where am I? Is this the current one? This is the current one. Yeah. Um, two weeks ago, uh, there was a, a study that just came out. I'm, I, you know, I'm not even going to bother with that. Um, two weeks ago that essentially said that they did this huge study and found out that uh, vaping does not keep people from re relapsing to smoking. Um, and it, it was just the dumbest study. Uh, it got some immediate attention. I went through and I looked at it and uh, uh, this Dr. Brad Rodu, he's got his right here. And then there's another one and I will put these links in the description later. Uh, this is the actual study itself, I believe. Yeah, they looked at the PATH study. And then, um, this is a response from Professor Hayek, 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 um, who uh, actually some of his work was 
used as a citation in this study. And he's like, the study is horrible. It says the press release badly reported, misreported the study findings. It says that smokers who quit but substitute e-cigarettes are more likely to relapse, but the study found no such effect. Um, and then the, uh, the AVM did a really good post, and I will link this one too, where they pretty much took a CNN news article about the study and basically said, here, I fixed it for you. <laughs> where they this the looks truth. like every English paper that I ever wrote. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, so that's a good thing to look at, too. And they hadn't really uh, they didn't really break it down as much as um, as I did on our Twitter thread, because I actually did a whole Twitter thread on it. Um, and I think and actually I will bring up that that Kassab blog, because um, in there I looked at. Well, I mean, there were so many things that they first of all, it's a, it's a law. It's a cross sectional. OK, so you're looking at a person this X time this X time, this X time, okay? And it doesn't ask a lot of important questions. Um, questions like, okay, so you relapsed and they considered relapsing having even one or two puffs in the past year. That's considered a relapse. I mean, <laughs> how? How is that even a relapse? I, if you have one or two puffs. Um, it also completely ignored... Um, just the fact that the people who, I think, is this my, yeah, it, it ignores the peep that people who were using the vapor products, e-cigarettes, a lot of them weren't even planning on trying to quit. I mean, they just happened to try vaping and then quit. Accidental vapors. I was one of them. And so they don't weigh that. I mean, that's something really important to weigh. Because unless people use the product, unless they use the service, they're not ever going to quit, you know, so you can't, you can't ignore the fact that a lot of these people wouldn't have even been trying to quit. If that, if that makes any sense. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, they also said, so they said in, in their on their own, they like sort of debunk themselves too. It says, uh, like I said, like I said here, and this was my Twitter thread that I kind of condensed together or threw together for the actual blog post. So you can read this. It's from two weeks ago. Um, I said, they even noted that those who scored the highest for dependency and were most likely to relapse were also the most likely to try vaping. So, so what does that mean? Um, okay, so you've got people who have tried everything else to quit. They, they've got the highest dependency. They found it the hardest to quit. So they're going to be the ones who are going to be the most likely to relapse. So you're already looking at the highest risk people of relapsing. They're, they found that those were going to be the people most likely to try vaping. So you've already got a specialized group here. And then they're comparing that to a general group of people who quit cold turkey, who you tend to be the people with the lowest incidence of, because if you can quit cold turkey, you generally don't have as strong as of a dependency. And again, this does not take into account the fact that some of these people weren't even trying to quit. They just did. But the questions on the survey can't look at that again. It's what were you doing at this point? What were you doing at this point? What were you doing at this point? Um, so that was the thing that just kind of, the, the, this is telling you nothing, if anything. And I've, I saw this a lot because, uh, who was it? Um, 
American Council on Science and Health, they said the new study muddies the vaping debate. And boy, does it. I mean, it, it, it really muddies things because it's just it makes things unclear. And and then it the the news reports like like Dr. Rodu says, Radu, Radu, I keep messing up his name. Radu. Radu. Uh, but at least I corrected myself. Sorry, Dr. Radu. Um, you know, like he said, this is, it's, if you torture the data long enough, you'll confess, it will confess to anything, you know, and that's what they did. They literally tortured. So I recommend, I will put the links to this one. He does a couple of his kind of take on, um, like he brings up the point that one or two puffs on a cigarette is a failure and says using this yardstick, about 50% of former smokers who weren't using a tobacco product at year one we're still totally cigarette free at year two compared with 42% of those who have been using e-cigarettes or tobacco at year one. It's kind of convoluted because they're looking at year one, year two, year three. But if you really look at the numbers, it didn't show what they said it showed. Right, um, there isn't a significant. They use some, they use some very, we're going to use this number for the people who vaped and use this number for the people who you know quit. Plus they lumped people who vaped with people who use, uh, non-combustible tobacco products. I mean, how can, uh, hello, um, that's not looking, then then say, well, it's vaping that failed. <laughs> it's like, well, you're looking at the wrong thing. Um, I, I, I would thing, also, sorry to interrupt. I, I, I would also say, uh, I, I don't think it's that uncommon among vapors, you know, after a year or two or maybe more to, like, see, I just like ask oh, for yeah. I don't know. off a friend's cigarette. Like, what is I've it? What is it? Like... Do I still not like it? Or, you know, yeah. like, I forgot, I forgot what smoking was like. Uh, let's try it yeah. again. Like that. Yeah. Does that really mean that you've relapsed? It's, it's insane. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I know. I don't know how many people I've talked to are like, yeah, after a year, I had a cigarette just so I could affirm for myself how much I hate them. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, countless Countless I didn't even people. need a cigarette. I just think I took a puff. I think my husband was still struggling at that point. And I took a puff off. I'm like, let me taste that once. And I never did stop liking the smell. I don't know why I still like the smell of cigarette smoke. Um, <laughs> but uh, but the taste, no, I couldn't. It went one puff and I'm like, oh, God, I can't. You know, so yeah, exactly. So that that really ups the numbers there, you know, one or two puffs. It's just, it's ridiculous. But here's the thing is that even though those people relapsed, okay, they were the people who vaped more than any other of the, the cohort, the ones who were vape, vaping were associated with a higher rate of requitting for three months or more after the relapse. So they just went right back to vaping again, <laughs> as opposed to the other ones. So what's, what's worse? Okay, I'm vaping, I relapse with uh, two cigarettes, and then I go right back to vaping again, or I quit cold turkey, I go back to cigarettes, and I'm smoking again now. Yeah. You know, you so really, you really have to have an abstinence only based mindset to consider something as, as few, you know, a few puffs or even one or two cigarettes to be a relapse. One, I'm not a huge fan of the word to begin with. Right. But a, a, a good explanation for this. Uh, and, and I don't remember who this was years ago. Somebody, somebody kind of told me this and they're like, when you, when you look at it that way, that's the equivalence of, you know, your children in school take tests, spelling tests, math tests, whatever that may be. And they get one question wrong. You didn't get a hundred. You got a 99 fail. That's a fail. You just failed. You didn't get a hundred. You got one question wrong. You failed. 
And that is the equivalence in a lot of uh, rehabilitation programs and things like that, not only for you know smoking, but drugs across the board, alcohol, one drink, and you've relapsed, you failed, you start your program over again, you go through the whole thing. Uh, and Alex is nodding his head. He knows exactly what I'm talking about here. And that's just, it's, that's absurd. Uh, it's, it's really just a, a terribly gross way uh, to treat any kind of, or, or to approach any kind of dependence or, or addiction issue. Um, because again, that's that literally like, that's the equivalence of if your, your child or, or you or whoever you're in college, whatever it may be, you're taking a test and you got that one question wrong, you failed. Right. Now you have to start over. Right. Uh, that's, it, it's just, it just, really, yeah, I'm, all, I'm just <laughs> it's I'm hot. Just thinking yeah, about it's it. Infuriating. Um, but yeah, that's that's that equivalent. So for anybody out there who's like, oh yeah, if you had a cigarette, you relapse. No, yeah, you, no. Just dismiss that thought. Um, we are all human beings, and uh, one one whatever puff, one whatever it may be, uh, does not discount recovery or or discount the path that you are on. So right. I just wanted to I just wanted to address that really quick. Um, I think another thing that that Dr. Radu said was. Um, Okay, there's another issue with the media statements. Uh, one, the, one of the spokespersons or uh, researchers said, smokers who switch to e-cigarettes should have much lower relapse rates to cigarette smoking. That ignores the fact that 769 former smokers in his study used no tobacco at year one, while 459 different former smokers used e-cigarettes and tobacco. Both produced complete and three-month abstinent rates that are similar and both added to the former smoker pool. It doesn't matter how they got there. Throughout the article in his public comments, he referenced smokers who switched to e-cigarettes. Uh, that is misleading. Path collects information on AIDS that former smokers used to quit. My, he says his group published a thing on there. If you're not following Dr. Radu, please do. Anyhow, the only information they reported was whether smokers at year one were using or not using e-cigarettes or tobacco. By ignoring the quitting information, they undercut the positive results for e-cigarettes and distorted the public health message. So, you know, and, 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 and then one thing that I said too, and the last thing that the other thing I found a problem with was this being a cross-sectional observational study, they can't determine if those who vaped would have made any quit attempts if they hadn't tried vaping. Obviously, somebody who buys NRT is making a quit attempt. And obviously, somebody who quits cold turkey is making a quit attempt. It's not obvious that somebody who buys a vapor product is making a quit attempt. And that's a huge factor that they need to start paying attention to and acknowledging. Um, again, the whole accidental. I believe if, if E6 had come out as quitting devices, I may have tried it, but I maybe not because I had pretty much by the time I bought my first device said, Nothing's ever worked. I've always gone back to smoking. I'm just going to die smoking, you know, and vaping did the trick. Uh, so as I said, a product or method can only be successful if it's used. Many using vapor products had no intention of using other methods. So the fact that any of those vaping with no intention to fully switch remains smoke-free for the study duration isn't very important. So that's, that's a huge finding they found. If they would have asked that question, were you trying to quit smoking when you bought this vapor product? Yes or no, the people who said no, those are people who would otherwise still be smoking. And now they're not. Even if their percentage is smaller than the people who quit cold turkey or are trying to quit, that they vaped and they relapsed or whatever. But the ones, that one group, 
we don't even know about them. We can't even find them because they don't ask those questions in the study. But that one group of the people who say, I wasn't even trying to quit, but I am still quit at year two. That's a huge group that never would. I mean, that's that's that makes vaping so much better than all the other things. If you think about it from that sense, does that am I explaining that right? Yeah. <laughs> so essentially, the study really doesn't show anything at all and misses all the nuance that it needs. It just so misses, it misses the point. I mean, because they don't know about it, you know, yeah. but anyhow, that's my rant, uh, take. Um, <laughs> I, I, I would like to take this opportunity and, and maybe informally start a promotional campaign, uh, to encourage people to use nicotine gum in places where they can't smoke. Um, just so that we can kind of further conflate this data and this whole discussion about like, if you use nicotine gum, you're obviously trying to quit smoking. I'd like to encourage people to just not, not make a quit attempt, just use it to circumvent, uh, smoking bans, um, sure. which is part of what I did for several years. Um, or so lozenges or any, yeah, any of the NRT, you can yeah. totally use it for other reasons besides quitting, um, and go ahead and start doing that. Yeah. That's my, that's my promotional campaign. Or while you're in the bar that you can't smoke at. Yeah. While you're having a drink. Yeah. I don't know how well mint Nicorette is going to go with your IPA, but. <laughs> Probably about as good as mint any gum. No, so. <laughs> but still, uh, sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. I have to give somebody yeah. a ridiculous treat and I'll be That's back. That's the sign that we, uh, we are moving swiftly along now. Uh, yeah. Excellent take. Thank you for that, Kristen um into our as alex so eloquently put it earlier shallow dive taxes and dog treats that is what is <laughs> on the agenda today taxes and dog treats i'm back you're back well okay we got the dog treats out of the way yep was this another bacon wrapped bone yeah, I think it's that think poodle it's, loves those. I think bacon it's actually it's bones. chicken, it's chicken wrapped, but it looks oh. like prosciutto ham. Uh, okay, so whatever. that's confusing, but to the dog, I'm sure it's just delicious. Tractor <laughs> supply, tractor supply. That's where I buy my gloves. They have a good selection of gloves. We're not here to promote tractor supply. Let's get into <laughs> some taxes. <laughs> All right, Alex. <clears throat> so how deep um, are we diving? Yeah, so we're, I, I don't know how deep we can dive. We talk about this all the time. Taxes yeah. are really high taxes meant to discourage people from using safer nicotine products is totally inappropriate. And I think we can all agree on that. But I figured, it, you know, as I sort of noted in the beginning, I, I think there's maybe some some details here. I'm going to try to uh, kind of suss out like how this there's a lot of speculation here because we don't have any insider information, you know, like in Dick Durbin's office, who is, you know, someone who's been proposing this whole tax equivalency thing for, for years now. Um, but uh, just so people understand, I kind of wanted to show the math here on how I've come to this conclusion that the tax on nicotine is actually five to six times larger than what is applied to cigarettes. Uh, and so, uh, taxes on tobacco are sort of divided into like, I think two or three categories. You have, uh, weight based is what it sounds like. You have ad valorem, uh, tax, which is like wholesale taxes. It's a percentage of, of a manufacturer's price or whatever. Um, some people like the ad valorem taxes because they naturally adjust with inflation. Um, and whereas weight based taxes stay pretty much the same, uh, and between the manufacturers, 
you know, one prefers ad valorem for certain products and another prefers weight based for other products. Um, and, and so it's, it's kind of a, it's, it's just a debate among tobacco companies and lawmakers as to what they're going to apply and where. Um, <clears throat> but uh, the tax on cigarettes is a per unit tax. So it's based on packs. Uh, and the federal excise tax on cigarettes is a dollar and one cent. Uh, now, previously, uh, the, the previous language in, in in this bill that was stripped out uh, would have doubled that tax to two dollars and two cents per pack uh, and then raise all of the other tobacco taxes up to this nonsense idea of equivalency. Um, it's not equivalent. It's actually higher. Uh, and so. Um, I, and I've heard a couple of different uh, explanations as to how they arrived at the tobacco tax on cigarettes, uh, that it's based on nicotine yield, which is in, which is remarkably lower than nicotine content. Um, but from what I was kind of reading before we came on, it was it's just a per unit thing. It's very convenient. You just say, you know, you tax per stick or per pack or per carton, whatever. Uh, and that's just an easy, convenient way to do it. Uh, and so I'm I've, I've stuck with it's a unit tax on on cigarettes at the federal level, a dollar and one cent. Um, but the proposed tax on nicotine which is still a kind of a per unit tax. Uh, I, I guess you could say per, it's a weight based, but it's it's milligrams. Uh, and so per milligram, the tax on vapor products or the tax on nicotine, which is in vapor products or nicotine pouches or any of other new nicotine product that's not tobacco leaf based uh, is 2.8 cents per milligram. Actually, I have my my number written wrong here. Uh, it's it, it's it's 2.8 cents per milligram. Uh, and so if you look at the average nicotine content of one cigarette in, in the United States, it is 10 to 12 milligrams per cigarette. I think they go as high like Newport's up there. I want to say it's like 15 milligrams in, in a Newport. I'm not, I'm not sure. sure. Um, I just know the average is is yeah. I'll, I'll stick like with the average. Twelve is what there's I've always much, known as. Yeah, the there's not not much instructive about highlighting the upper end here, at least for for taxation discussion purposes. Um, so between ten and twelve milligrams. So you take that, you multiply it by twenty, and you come up with uh, refuting the lie that a jewel pod has more nicotine than a pack of cigarettes, um, and uh, because the total is. It's 200 to 200 and something odd milligrams in a pack of cigarettes. Uh, and so that bring that would bring, if this was a per milligram tax on a pack of cigarettes, that would bring the total federal tax before it even gets to New York or some other crazy state where the tax is like three or five bucks. Uh, the federal tax would be $5.60 up to $6.72. Uh, five to six times the current tax on uh, cigarettes and all of the the math wizards out there can um, add all your your decimal points and fractions and tell me how I'm undershooting that number uh, <laughs> as it is. Um, but so that's that's the math on this, and that's why I continue repeating that this is actually higher than the tax on cigarettes, um, just making this all the more unfair. And so that's kind of bringing us to the I guess the discussion portion of our relatively deep or shallow dive on taxes here. Um, why was the nicotine tax left in and all of the other tax hikes left out? Uh, and and I, I think I, I'm just noting that I don't know that either of you have any insider information. So we'll, we'll just throw out the disclaimer that this is, this is 
a lot of speculation on our part, but sure. of course, based on our experience in this area. Um, and uh, certainly, I'm sure some of the other socially justice minded people out there, this may resonate with. Um, I just to throw it out there. Uh, my, my feeling on this is that uh, the reason why nicotine taxes were left in is because we are woefully underrepresented in uh, Congress. Uh, we don't have major companies fighting on our behalf. Tobacco lobbyists are tobacco companies, I think, mm -hmm. are doing some, uh, you know, some pretty easy math and looking at the products that make them the most money uh, and are, you know, perhaps looking at a tax like this and saying, well, you know, uh, we know the taxes on vapor products are coming. We know the taxes on, on other nicotine products are coming. Uh, there's there may not be much that they can do about this. Uh, on the other hand, this is, may not even get down into the lobbying trenches. This is something where, uh, you know, it's an optics thing. This is this is Democrats looking tough on crime uh, in, in, in to use turn a phrase, use a phrase uh, from the past yeah. uh, <coughs> crime bill. Um, so which Joe Biden was a champion of. Um, but, you know, ultimately, uh, cigarettes are the most popular tobacco product in the world ever. And Joe Biden did not actually campaign on kill the poor. So uh, I think, re you know, taking out the, the cigarette tax is sort of in their interest in, in attempting to keep a campaign promise. And also when you look at the, uh, the across the range of people who have adopted vapor products, I think historically vapor products, when they came I don't, I don't know what the first e-cig you bought was, Kristen, but you've been you've been vaping the longest out of the three of us. I do remember, you know, some of the, the old school vapers who bought their e-cigarette for the first time paid around $100 for a cigarette. And so this was something that was pretty much limited to more affluent white people who were able to afford these products. Uh, and so early adopters were not necessarily low income people. Uh, and, and so uh, there, there is an argument to be made that raising taxes on vapor products doesn't necessarily disproportionately affect the poor, kind of taking the devil's advocate side of things. Um, although we do know that with proper education, I think people will understand that over a long enough time period, vaping is much cheaper than smoking. It's just that, sure. that upfront cost, I think, tends to dissuade a lot of people. And now, of course, if this tax is enacted, it will discourage even more people from trying to quit smoking. Um, so anyway, I, I, I threw that out there, hopefully kick that off and interested to hear your thoughts about this. Oh, yeah. And, and I just wanted to kind of piggyback off of last week. We talked about um, in the UK and their their kind of prescription model that they're moving towards, um, obviously still having a consumer model as well. Uh, but that idea of that upfront cost, uh, one of the great things about the UK moving forward with that and being able to receive e-cigarettes through the NHS is that upfront cost does dissuade a lot of people. Um, and I think that's one of the arguments to be made too for like why disposables and things like that uh, can be a good thing uh, because they're relatively cheap and an and easy to use way to, for people to start. Uh, but yeah, that upfront cost you know, for a $40, $60 starter kit and a bottle of e-liquid, things like that can can definitely dissuade people. Yeah, the taxes. Um, I don't even think it needs to be said, but taxing people for using a product to better their health is outrageous to begin with. 
um, and and dropping the tax on the you know the combustible side of this on on cigarettes, I think really kind of highlights where we're at right now. The absurdity. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, I think asinine is the word I used in the uh, yeah, <laughs> in yeah. The blog post. That is the appropriate word. <laughs> and I, I I wanted to mention too. Uh, Kristen is the one that coined our term "build back smoking act," and I think that's yeah. exactly uh, <laughs> it. Just nails it right on the head because if we if we we raise all these taxes up, and and Alex has done this math. Not only is that upfront cost already steep for a lot of people who are low income, who we know are the vast majority of people who smoke. That upfront cost dissuades them already. With these tax going, if these taxes go forward that upfront cost skyrockets. Uh, so the only people who would be able to afford these products, well, not the only people, but the majority of people who would be able to afford these products would be your affluent, white, maybe suburban, whatever, uh, folks. Yeah, it's absolutely, th this absolutely goes into, uh, you know, social justice and, and Biden saying that we're not raising taxes on people who make under 400,000 a year. Well, People who smoke, the people who smoke, most of them make under 400000 a year. Uh, so if they were trying to quit in that process or looking to quit uh, via these products, directly affects them. I, I do want to... Oh, go ahead. I, I just want to jump in and address the question on the screen um, yeah, from Kithrin. No, right? Um, it, it doesn't are, in any way because are, these are those are pharmaceutical products. Well, let them read yeah. the question. Yes. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, are NRTs also being included in this tax because there is nicotine? Those NRTs uh, in those in those NRTs. Uh, also, the R stands for replacement or removal. Uh, as 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 Logan was was saying, uh, well, the T in that one stands for therapy, and so NRT has gone through a completely different authorization or approvals process. Uh, and is considered a therapy, and so there is no additional tax added to this. Right, they're products. not considered a tobacco <clears throat> product. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I was going to say something, and I forgot what it was. Yeah, I just... Uh, what did you finish on? You finished on... Uh... I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, I started to say something, and I totally forgot. That's Okay. Because we're Maybe talking about whether or not this should be taxed. My train derails all the time. Income. Yeah, it, this is this is just absolutely <laughs> absurd, though. Uh, taxing these products is—I mean, not only do we have a, a already a plethora of issues right now going on uh, as far as flavor bans and all sorts of stuff as well, which is already discouraging to a lot of people. Uh, on top of the misinformation that's out there, on top of everything else. Uh, this just feels like, you know, one extra nail in the coffin uh, to well, deny people um, the human right to harm reduction. Yeah, it seems it seems incredibly hypocritical, too, because many of these same people want to see everything banned. So do oh bans uh, alongside or, heavy taxes is or one do of those they really? Because why are you asking for this huge tax? If you think your flavor bans are going to work, if you think that all these products are going to be disappeared, if you're complaining that the FDA had the audacity to follow congressional orders and approve a product that is appropriate for the protection of public health, you know, public authorized. safety, public health, whatever, authorized, sorry. Um, 
you know what you know the general public's looking at his approval so you know um <laughs> but anyhow you know but you know what i'm saying it's like how can you how can you say that you need to ban all these products but then pass a tax which clearly says you don't expect these products to be banned it clearly says that you know you're going to make a whole lot of money out of it. I take it and as like the uh, like the plan B, like, right, if these products do receive approval, they're at least resting on the idea that they will be heavily taxed enough to dissuade oh, people yeah, from absolutely. using them. Absolutely. But the thing is, is that they've got estimates. They've got, you know, they're already counting. Sure. On, you know what I'm saying? It's still, it's still pretty dodgy to me because it's like, okay, maybe this is a backup plan, but you're still planning on making money off of this. You're still expecting X number of units or whatever to be sold because you've got an estimate of how much you're going to rake in with this, which this is one of the things that really ticked me off when it came up because they essentially took, you know, because they, they're estimating, what was it? $10 million, I want to say, or 10 billion, wait, million, billion. Wait, hold on. There's a big difference between the two. Yes, yes, there is. I'm sorry. Hold on. <laughs> there definitely is. The, the lost revenue, but uh, uh, super rich. Um, okay, so that's the six million. Where is that? Hold on. Hold on. It's here. Because I thought they said it was eight. I'm always, um, I'm always taken aback by the idea of heavy taxes. Uh, Billion. How do I want to? How do I want to say this? Uh, I. I think of like cannabis, right? Cannabis legalization, uh, and in some places that's getting better, but right out of the gate was very, very heavily taxed. And the states that went this route, you know, were claiming they were going to make all of this money off these huge taxes. They were going to get all this revenue, but then no one can afford it. So no one buys the product. So you don't get the tax money. Right. And then you get a black see, market. You see continued illicit markets because it's just cheaper and we've been doing it for forever. Um, Hence so why California got hit by volume. People that can afford uh, to shop again through those heavily taxed, for those heavily taxed products are typically your affluent whites. And it, it just doesn't, it doesn't raise this revenue that they, they claim it's going to raise. If you can't, if people can't afford to buy the product, you don't get the taxes off of it. And I don't, I don't get where that cognitive di like dissonance is for lawmakers or whether or not they just don't understand working class folks and what we can and can't afford. Um, but if but you were to have smaller or no, which would be great, but smaller reasonable taxes on things, you would have more people who can buy those products, who can afford those products, thus raising more revenue. If you heavily tax something, Say, you know, something costs $17 and only one person can buy it. Cool. You got $17. But if, you know, well, that's not how taxes work. I know this is just a really terrible analogy. But if it's $2 and more people can buy it, 100 people can buy it. Cool. You made $200. That's the more affordable things are with a reasonable tax, the more revenue somebody can, the, the more revenue they can get out of it. So these absurd taxes really, I just take it as a plan B. That's, that's, that's ultimately how I, I, I see this is if, if, if yeah. these products make it through, then they can fall back on, on the taxes dissuading people. But this right here says it's not just a plan B. I mean, they essentially, you know, and granted this is the, the, these, their opinion that the, that they amended to protect tax avoidance schemes used by the ultra wealthy in their estate planning. 
and then replaced it with the nicotine tax or kept the nicotine tax. They may not have been aware that it was there and got rid of the tobacco, the you know, tobacco product, other tobacco products, everything else, got rid of that tax. Because, but here's the thing: this is pretty much if you take away this loophole, I'm now I'm I can hear myself coming, but if you take away this loophole, that's pretty much we they know the money's there. And that's almost like a guaranteed eight billion. Sorry, it was billion. Eight billion in revenue for the federal government over ten years. Okay, uh, you know, so if even admit the amount is modest relative to the size of the whole Build Back Smoking Act, um, but it was targeted at a small handful of the country's wealthiest families. Okay, the new bill basically hits every person who smokes and vapes because it's hitting the the people who smoke in a way that they're not going to want to change over. So it does affect them, but it really hits all these people who quit smoking. And that's an uncertain tax. So they went from getting $8 billion, pretty much they know the money's there and they're going to get that now, to, okay, now they might get $10 billion if people can afford to keep paying the tax. And they don't have, they're not all, can't, you know, they go back to smoking because their flavors are gone. They can't get anything through the mail, you know, all that other stuff. I mean, it, it's a it's a it's a business that's they're watching you. How could they not know it's being decimated? Sure, it's right. And the plan C that. is people going back to smoking. Right. So if they're not, if they don't end up getting this tax revenue out of the vapor products and pouches and other new nicotine products, if they don't get that, they can at least fall back on people who can't afford those products to either continue to smoke or go back. Right. And but, but that's what I'm saying. I don't think it's a plan B. I think it's it's just yet another way to first of all, the fact that they swapped it for this uh, estate planning thing that was more of a slam dunk that they could have gotten that money to, okay, no, we're going to put all of our, you know, eggs in this basket over here with this nicotine tax that they're trying to ban all the flavors that they stopped allowing the, you know, that they're banning on state level all over the place that that's just being attacked and is just being decimated. We're going to put all our eggs in that basket. It's just not, you know, it may be that people might go back to smoking and no, there's not going to be any black market. And I mean, it's just, it's just some shenanigans went on there. You know, why would they give up something that seemed a little more certain for this mass of the vaping industry? <laughs> I, I think, you know, maybe another angle here, and, and I, I would expect something that was certainly brought up in, in talks about, uh, in, you know, raising the tobacco taxes and enacting a nicotine tax is the, the, the number that is often cited. And I forget, the, I forget the numbers, but it's something like, you know, a 10% rise in cigarette taxes results in a, you know, one or 2% decline in smoking prevalence, right. something like it's that. And so you can, you can translate that into money saved. Uh, by people not ending up in the hospital and diseases. But I mean, we all know, or we all that's should know that, that yeah, that's, that is also nonsense. It's kind of a wash because um, people who smoke they don't live, live long, long enough to collect social security or, or be a burden on, on these things um, right. it, and so on. Um, so the, yeah, the ac actual economic side of this doesn't, doesn't really balance out, but um, I, that, that is a catchy bumper sticker kind of talking point. And this is part of the, uh, the social security infrastructure or social uh, social safety net um, uh, aspect of the Build Back, Back Better plan. So whether or not they're collecting money, they can still sell this on discouraging nicotine use, which in the minds of most people now in the United States is just as harmful as smoking. 
and so I, I'm sure that they have found a way to justify this either in collecting revenue or discouraging nicotine use. Um, and it, it's, uh, yeah, they get you coming and going. But we're not discouraging smoking. Right. It's right. Like, yeah. It, well, no, they uh, need to kill more people off because they have to pay for all these social programs. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Dead smokers don't require <laughs> the social safety net. So there'll be less people they have to pay budget dead. for. They're not they're not going to say that on MSNBC, but oh, you, know, you don't think so? That does have to be part of the calculation. <laughs> right. Yeah. Okay. Oh, what a mess. Well, you yeah, know, that's as deep it, as we can go into that dive today. You know, I know, yeah, I know that rapidly I, approaching our, our, I, I, I know that people are tired. I know that people are tired of hearing this garbage and I'm, I'm with you. I, I we're all kind of worn out by all of the misinformation and lies and campaigning against, uh, you know, products that, that we all know from experience have helped us stop smoking and have improved our health. Um, our doctors know it. There are politicians that know it. There are public health experts that know it. Even people working at Center for Tobacco Products know it. Um, and, and so, yes, we are all tired, but it is vitally important that people take action on this again. If you haven't, take action now. Reach out, make contact with your lawmakers and tell them to oppose this absolutely ridiculous and dangerous tax proposal. And you can do that on our call to action. Yes, our call to action. Um, again, I'll put a link in, in the I was just uh, going to ask if you could drop a link to that one more yeah. time. Well, I'll put a link Way in the description me. box. It's kind of late in the show anyhow, but the, everybody else. Well, uh, anybody who hasn't done it, uh, right after we wrap this up, if Kristen does want to go ahead and drop that in the, the chat one more time, uh, it'll be right there. Please, if you haven't done this call to action yet, do it. Like, I don't leave the stream now and do it. Go If you haven't <laughs> done it yet, I don't know, just... Leave I mean, I, we've been tweeting it we, and we're going to keep tweeting it every day. I mean, it's just, and like I said in my tweet of it, don't count on somebody else doing it. And nope. please, if you can, don't just do it yourself. I mean, first of all, do it yourself if you haven't. I'm I'm going to assume that everybody who's in this group, uh, in this chat right now has, has already done it. Um, I'd be surprised if they haven't. But Make sure that you put your story in there. You know, I had to delete some of the Kasap pre-filled stuff so I could fit my story in because, you know, I like to talk. Um, so just <laughs> do that. Do that yourself if you have to. You know, it's really important that they see consumers. They really need to know in their minds. It's all, oh, this is just big business. This is just big tobacco. They're the only ones who don't want to see this stuff passed. It's just big tobacco and big vape whatever that is, you know, they need to hear from you as a person. Plus getting different emails that don't start all the same is also a good thing. Um, I'm trying to get the uh, link here. I feel like that's a point that I highlight all the time, but I'm, I'm going to do it one more time, please. Uh, with these emails, uh, share your story. We obviously right. encourage that's you to please share your story, but the best place to put your story in the Kasa email is above the pre-written stuff. You can right. keep the pre-written stuff in there or delete some or all of it to make room for your story, like Kristen said. Uh, but having your story up front individualizes that. Right. If a lot of people, if everybody just sent the pre-written email, uh, eventually after so many, uh, the algorithm in the email, whatever server uh, is going to start flagging those as spam. 
but if they are individualized and you have your story in there, uh, more of those, hopefully all of those actually get to the inbox they need to get to. Um, so please uh, put it above, above the story. If you put it at the bottom, put it at the top. Don't put yeah. it at the top, put it at the top. Yeah. Um, and we, and the other thing I was going to say is please share that, share mm -hmm. that link, share, even put it in your Reddit groups, in your, on your personal Facebook page, even if you try to keep it separate. Like normally I don't do a lot on my Facebook page with advocacy stuff. I even put this on there and I tagged everybody I knew who vaped or smoked um, in the post. Uh, I just shared it from our, the official Kasaf Facebook page onto my page and tagged everybody I knew who vaped or smoked, uh, even dropped it on my brother's right on his page, you know, and he did it, you know, normally he probably wouldn't have done it and he did it. Um, so my mom who doesn't uh, smoke or vape or use nicotine in any fashion has already done this call to action. Yeah. So uh, vape shops in your local yes. area, if they've got a Facebook page, if they've got a Twitter account that you can tag in the Twitter account, uh, any vape groups that are in your area, um, obviously any family or friends who know what you do and know how important it is to you, ask them to put in there and tell them, just say, you know, my, my son, my brother, my cousin, whatever, quit with this, you know, don't tax it, get it out there. This is the grassroots parts, folks. This is the parts where we really need you to disseminate, get it out there, get everybody, you know, let everybody else know it. Cause those are the people that we can't reach. We can only reach you. You're the first stop. And then it's got to spread from there and then tell those people to share it. So, and you guys come every week. A lot of you, we see your great faces every week or on your little, your little faces there. The little, little icons. Little icons. <laughs> um, and, you know, so it's those people that we're really counting on to just get that message out there and keep, keep pushing it, it further from that original, get it, get it out of the bubble. We need to get it yeah. out of the bubble. Share it on and every social media, share that. it on Twitter, your Facebook, put it in your Snap story, uh, put it all over the place, send it to random phone numbers. Uh, <laughs> I know I always say that it's more of a joke than anything, but I mean, if you are. You know, know what we should do? We need to upload our uh, music from our video to TikTok and then they can do TikTok dance too. Yeah, yeah put it out on TikTok. I don't, I don't tick or talk, so I always forget <laughs> about TikTok. I'm until I randomly that. see one of the funny ones on Twitter or something. But yeah, share this literally everywhere. And please encourage your friends, your family. Like I said, my mom has done this call to action already. She doesn't smoke. She doesn't vape. She doesn't use nicotine in any way. Uh, my stepdad has done this as well. My, my family members who, who don't use these products are doing this call to action. So it doesn't just have to be your circle of vapors or people that you know, you know, vape or, or use pouches or something like that like share this all around please ask your family ask your friends uh to do this because these products have helped us uh and and attacks like this is is dangerous and detrimental uh so we definitely need uh everybody everybody involved all right uh we are we're at that six o'clock east coast time was that what were you guys at three over on that other coast three o'clock all right. I think this is where we're going to wrap it up, everybody. This is a great place and a great time to do so. So thank you, uh, everybody who showed up and tuned in today uh, and for uh, 
everybody on the replay crew, thank you uh, for for stopping by and tuning in and checking everything out. Uh, for podcast listeners, uh, there will be two versions of this available. There'll be a quick shorthand version of just the legislative rundown stuff. Uh, and then there'll also be a full version for you to tune into as well. And please share those around. We've been getting a few more listens on the podcast. So thank you, podcast listeners, for tuning in and sharing that as well. Um, again, if you're not a member of CASA, please, please do so. Uh, it's absolutely free to become a member and sign up um, for literally everything. You can check out the blog, get involved. There's place to, there's a place to find your uh, legislators, which we also encourage people to do with this current call to action. Go on the legislator, look up right in CASA.org. Maybe while I'm wrapping things up, Alex can show everybody where that is uh, really quick. I know we've done it a few times in the past, but for anybody new or if you're not familiar with the website, um, so please do that as well. If you haven't submitted a testimony, please, we would absolutely love to have your story on the page for everybody. Uh, you can do that here as well. Uh, Alex, there's the testimonials button. And then um, Alex will also pull up the, uh, the legislator lookup as well. Um, other than that, everybody, just thank you again for tuning in. Thank you if you've done this call to action. It doesn't have to be a one and done thing. I've done it uh, a few times now. Um, I try to do it at least once a day if I can. So please go ahead, do it multiple times, share it everywhere. Check out our shop too. And check Buy out our shop. Shirt. Yeah, absolutely. I always forget about the shop. I even have, <laughs> I have t-shirts and I forget about awesome the shop. Merch. Yeah, check out the merch. We don't get, get a lot from it, shirts. but you know what? Every little bit counts. So, and you get a sure. cool design. Sure. Most of them that. Yeah, we don't have the Bloomberg bucks over here at Casa. So, uh, <laughs> selling T-shirts and masks is a great way to help and support uh, support us, support you, support advocacy, support everything that we do here. So, uh, one last time, thank you, everybody. Uh, final thoughts, real quick, before we before we're out of here. Nope, that's all I need to say. That's it? Cool. All right. We left it all Uh, on the field. Left it all (laughs) on the field. All right, everybody. Uh, Take care. Take care of yourselves. Take care of each other. Be excellent to each other. We will be here next week, 4.30 p.m. Eastern, 1.30 p.m. over there on the other side. And uh, that's going to do it. Take us away, Kristen. Kristen.